Welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 358. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back. Hello. How are you? It has been a while since I've been behind the mic in this format, and I am thrilled to be with you. Yes. It has been what? Since November? We are now in late February. We are emerging from the darkness and the cold of winter. As we lurch towards spring and renewal and rebirth and 10 years of the John of All Trades podcast. That's right. I am rapidly approaching my 10-year anniversary. More on that in a second. But first, I want to introduce this week's guest. I have Dr. Marcy Willard. Dr. Marcy Willard is the founder of Clear Child Psychology and the creator of two apps, one called Cade, one called Katie. And if you're listening to this show, my guess is the one that's going to be more useful for you is Katie. You can find that at C-A-D-E-Y dot C-O. And basically, when you go there, here's what the front page says. This groundbreaking system works. Try us out for two weeks. Concerned about your child's behavior, development, or well-being? Child psychologists design the system to help parents like you. We have a shortage of mental health professionals in this country. We have an overwhelming need for mental health support. This app is designed to help you at home, where you are, where you live, to get help for your child. And she talks about its development. See, Dr. Willard's an interesting case in that she sold software in a previous life and was very successful at it. Stopped that, went and got her PhD in psychology and started practicing. Realized very quickly, as many entrepreneurs do, that when someone is paying you for your time, that puts a hard, hard ceiling on how many people you can actually help. So how do you broaden your message? How do you broaden your scope? How do you broaden your reach? An app is a good way of doing that. So check out katie.co for mental health help. And then I encourage you to listen to the rest of this episode because there's lots and lots of good stuff in here. It feels good to be back. And one of the reasons I disappeared was I have spent so much time creating stuff for other people that I needed some time away to rediscover myself, get reacquainted with who I am, what I want to do which is why I wrote that 50-post blog series, the J-O-A-T 50-song countdown, recently concluded, and I got to tell you, it was one of the most fulfilling things I have ever done. I am proud of that series intensely. I wrote 50 essays, all about 1,000 words each. That's 50,000 words over the course of two and a half months. And if you read that, if you read any part of that, you have my infinite gratitude because that was me basically just ripping myself open. The songs are a clothesline, a clothesline upon which to hang personal insights, personal anecdote, life's experiences. I mean, you could think of it almost as a memoir series. So it was great, great fun to do. And I wrote it for me. If you found it and you liked it and you got something out of it, my God, I cannot tell you how much that means to me. But at the end of the day, I go, I got to get reacquainted with me. I got to know who I am. I got to figure this out. And for a variety of reasons, for creating stuff for other people, creating stuff for the wrong reasons, not having the correct partnerships, whatever it was, I was at a place where I needed to refill my creative well. And we're back now. That's right. We're back. 
I've got episodes for you. I've got at least three in the can. I've got several more booked. I am excited to bring this content to you once again, because here's the deal. Doing this for 10 years, one thing I know about myself is I am infinitely curious about people. And there is so much of the world to explore. There's so much we don't know. There are so many connections to be had. The more we learn about each other, the less scary we are. The more we can talk about issues of importance, like say mental health here, the one I do with Dr. Marcy Willard, the better off we'll all be. And so John of All Trades is back. We're going into year 10. Can you believe that? I've got some cool stuff planned for the 10-year anniversary. More on that a little bit later, because right now I want to put the attention on my guest. Her name is Dr. Marcy Willard. She's the founder of Clear Child Psychology. She is the creator of apps both Kate and Katie. And what we have here is just a dynamite conversation. She is someone I connected with immediately. I'd like to give a shout to my dad, Jack, for introducing me to Dr. Marcy Willard. Without him, I might never have found her. And I'm so glad that I did because this is a great show. I think you'll get a lot out of it. So if you like it, why not share it on social media? J-O-A-T pod is the handle for John of All Trades. That's on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky. I'm on some of those a lot more than others. Just share it wherever you are. Whether you know it or not, listening to this, you are in the promotions business. You and everyone else. Your likes, your shares, your comments, they mean the world. The more you can do that for things you like, the better off the things you like become. So as you think about that, there's going to be 10 seconds of music, and then we're right into the episode. Number 358 with Dr. Marcy Willard starts right now. So we write blogs and plan out our video series and look at the emails that went out and see how they're performing. Mm. And then we do additional articles. Okay. So big content day. Mm -hmm. I find that can be both helpful and sometimes daunting because I generate a high amount of content mm -hmm. and not every Wednesday is created equally, right? So there sure. are days where you come in and you go, oh, I'm ready to create. I'm ready to write. I know I'm going to write today. And then other yeah. days you go, uh, what's up with, where's my creative well? What happened? Uh-huh. Does that happen to you? With writing, it's really hard. I, I do have the belief that you're not always going to be inspired every time you have to do stuff, right? So yeah. sometimes you got to just, you just muddle through. It's, I have moments where I am like, I don't know what to say about this or everything I go to say, it's not what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote that, but that's not really what I mean. And so I would say, yeah, I'm not always as inspired as I want to be, but sure. I still get myself to do it. It's better to get it on the page and then monkey with it after the fact than just not have anything. Yeah. And like you can always send it for feedback and say, do you get this? And people can be like, no. Like, yeah, that's not what I was thinking. I've written some like form letters and some AstroTurf in my life just for political campaigns and things like that. And you have to make mm -hmm. them all slightly different mm -hmm. and figuring out a way to turn seven talking points into, you know, a hundred different forms of a letter. You, you really have to be unique in like, OK, there will be like a turn of phrase or a couple of words where I go, OK, I can build around that. Yep. So we're actually doing that right now. We have this this long blog about gifted and talented kids. And then there's a section about kids that also have additional like disabilities mm -hmm. and, and they be gifted. 
course they can. And so talking about what that's like, but also the testing for that is really tricky. And so we're going to do three pieces of content from that one because there there's different angles on the, on the same thing. Wow. That's cool. And that makes sense. And so I want to get into the balance of content that you're creating versus how much you're actually with practices. But first of all, first things first, this is Dr. Marcy Willard. You are the founder, what is it? The founder and CEO of Clear Child Psychology, and you also have an app. So welcome to the show. I was introduced to you by my own father. So that is always just the highest recommendation. So thank you for being with me. I'm happy to be here. So, okay. Tell me a little bit about your journey before we get started. Tell me a little bit about Clear Child Psychology, why I found it, what, what spurred you to this kind of work, and what kind of work exactly is it? I was a software sales rep uh, in my early days, so <laughs> that's something people don't typically know. I did not expect you to say that, to be honest. <laughs> um, and I was an enterprise software sales rep, so we did, we did large deals in the, the many millions for uh, large organizations that were buying software. It was, it was a resume software, actually, that we were working on. So I came to technology originally then, and little did I know, I was gonna go get my PhD, go become a psychologist, and then create a technology myself. Well, okay, so that's interesting to me. You didn't know that you were gonna get your PhD. I think a lot of people who end up in, say, the medical field or medical adjacent fields, such as, mm -hmm. such as this, uh, have that calling, have that belief, like I'm going to go do this. And they, they engineer their entire lives and their entire schooling toward that end. But it's interesting. It came to you after the fact. Why? You know what's so great? I'm, I'm really glad you asked that because I, I have a good answer for that. My, as a child, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, which I think is hilarious, right? Because people <laughs> would just laugh. Like as this little five-year-old, what do you want to do? Entrepreneur. Yeah. I, I, so the fact that I you knew that word is remarkable. Right? That's why they think it's so funny. It probably sounded really funny coming out of a little kid's mouth, too. <laughs> right? Like firefighter, nurse, you know, entrepreneur. Professional baseball player in my, in my case. Oh, baseball player, right? You've probably heard of that as a kid, right? So I wanted to be an entrepreneur uh, from a young age. When I went to go get my PhD in psychology, it was around another passion that I have. So I actually have a special needs sister in my family. And we went through a lot of trials and tribulations, uh, and I got really familiar with the world of special needs, and that inspired my interest to join the psychology field. And I didn't know at the time that I was going to ultimately start my own business as a psychologist that also created uh, technologies around that. Wow. So this is like a confluence of so many things in your life that man that you managed to get right in the center of that Venn diagram. I don't know that a lot of people get that exactly right. You are so right. I, I feel like I'm one of the luckiest people in the world. And I, I say that honestly, in that I get to do the work I really want to do, right? I'm doing the stuff I want to do with my life. I feel the same way. And I'm, I'm in the middle, as we record this, of this big blog series on my website about my top 50 favorite songs. And what I realized is, People think they're chasing money or you'll hear people who work high profile jobs, you know, I, I'm going to do what I want when I'm retired. It's like, man, you're stuffing all that in the end. <laughs> like that's uh, OK. I mean, that is a choice. And I hope you're getting yeah. fulfillment out of whatever career path you're taking. But yep. to me, I don't think we're chasing money. What I think we're chasing is agency and we're chasing freedom. 
the ability to determine how we spend our days, how we spend our time. And if we do that, then retirement is something that I don't much think about. I mean, you, like you want to plan for it because at some point your, your health and your ability is going to deteriorate. But more than anything, you want to feel like what you did had value and was additive and contributed to some sort of greater good. I feel that way deeply. And so it's thrilling to me to get to talk to you and know that you feel that way too. I absolutely agree. The greatest aspect of my career that I value is that freedom to do what I believe are the most important things Yeah. with my time and with what I know, right? So my own individual contributions to the world, I, I get to do that and I get to choose that. And I tell people what that looks like yeah. instead of having that dictated. And then maybe I have a corner of it that I get to choose, right? Where it's like, well, you're going to write articles, but about all these things. And if once in a while you can write about what you want. <laughs> sure. I mean, we sure. all, we, we all have the less glamorous parts of the, of our day that allow us to do that, which we really want to do. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I know I have people coming up to me all the time because I've been successfully on my own now for almost nine years. And they'll come to me and say, you know, I'm thinking about going out on my own. And I go, man, if you've already made it this far, all I'm doing is I'm going to push them and be like, try it, go for it, do it. You can always go back to a less fulfilling job, or maybe you don't like the (laughs) rhythms of this, like whatever. Right. But at least you tried, you've got to try. So that influences my whole worldview. What I'm curious. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. This brings me right to what it's something about your dad and and my dad. And we, we both share the fact that we have dads were really proud of and yeah. that we really believe in. And a lot of people talk about entrepreneurship saying, oh, the risk, right? There's so much risk. <laughs> right. And my, my dad said, this is the least risky thing that I could ever do because I'm the one that writes my checks and I know how hard I work <laughs> and I know if I'm going to pay myself. And he said at one point he was in some job, this is way in his 20s, mm-hmm. he was in some job where his hours got cut. He looked in the mirror and said, this never happens again. (laughs) I like that. Right. And so started his own company from there on out. And he said, you know, it's not risky to me at all because I'm doing the work that I know needs to be done and I can count on myself. 100%. And particularly in this economy where we sit in 2023, the amount of jobs that are available are far outpacing the number of people to fill them. (laughs) And so it's like, Look, if if you fall on your face, go. You can go work for someone else at some point. But I mean, damn it, at least give it a shot. Especially if you're coming to me and saying I'm thinking about doing this. It's like, oh no, you're you're already there. You just need a nudge in the right <laughs> direction. Just go do it. So my mm-hmm. question to you is: yeah. this mindset that you have, where you are finding a deep level of fulfillment in your career as you deal with kids who maybe have depression, maybe have anxiety, maybe have developmental disorders, how does that mindset? inform the way that you relate to your patients or does it or are they separate no one's ever asked me that before okay so my worldview absolutely impacts how i interact with clients right because that's how i think of course it it necessarily Uh, has to yeah i believe i have a big focus for kids on them finding their authentic selves and being able to express that and Mm. for parents to support that process not prevent the struggles that kids have and allow them to struggle through so that they can learn who they really are. And so I believe it influences that, that, that my, my gut says, be who you are, do what you love. Don't go after somebody else's dream. And in that same way, that's what I did. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, one of the things that you'll hear, I mean, I, and I may be using a term out of context here, but particularly when you're dealing with kids who are trying to discover their authentic selves, you know, you could be pushing against some narcissistic extension from some parents, maybe, mm-hmm. where parents are trying to maybe shoehorn their kids into a path and the child's resisting. And I mean, the, the parents are paying the bills, but your duty is to the child. Is, is that ever tension that is difficult to resolve in what you do? It's an important tension. And, and yes, the goals that we have for our kids as parents are not necessarily what the kids' goals are. Mm, yeah. And so my job is to help the parents understand what their kids need and and see how to support them and guide them. So I, I've got a really great analogy for this. So I did not come up with this. There, okay. There's a great, a great psychology expert who described the shepherd versus the engineer. This mm. is Russell Barkley who said this. So the, the shepherd view is I, I guide this child towards greener pastures. I help them have the environment for the sheep to grow. They follow me sometimes. Sometimes I follow them, right? Yeah. And I give them this, this beautiful place to grow into these sheep. But I could never make a sheep into a dog. <laughs> no, not, unless it's a Looney Tunes cartoon, but yeah, right? <laughs> it usually goes the yeah. other way. Yeah, right. And so as the engineer view would say, the engineer would be trying to engineer their future. So I'm going to set up a path for you that makes it so clean and clear on how you can be successful and make mm. money, right? Ah, yeah. That's the engineer view. And and the problem is these people are individual people with their own decisions and they don't do what you say necessarily. And even if they do, they're not necessarily going the place they need to go, which is to their real authentic self. So, you know, they want to be a musician dad wants him to be a doctor, right? There's a conflict. And the, the way to resolve that isn't to force your will. Now you might have your points and you might want to help them understand that here's the obstacles. If you go that way. Yeah. Perspective and, is not a bad thing, right? It's fine to share your perspective. It could be different, but to try to engineer their career that will not work. You know, it, it, I'm sure you get this all the time, but uh, there's a movie that came out in like 1998 called rounders, which I really like. Um, it, it's it's about professional poker players. It's got Matt Damon and uh, Edward Norton in it. John Malkovich is in it. Martin Landau, but Martin Landau is a, a really revered law professor in the movie, and he's kind of a mentor to Matt Damon, who's in law school. But his secret love is playing cards. Well, it turns out Martin Landau always loved the law and wanted to be a lawyer, but his parents, he comes from a very Jewish background, push him to be in the yeshiva and want him to eventually become a rabbi. And he makes the decision. He goes. That was not true to who I was. And he ends up, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ostracized from his family. And so that was, as you said that, I thought of that movie because I've seen it a hundred times because it was on cable roughly 10 times a day while I was growing up. But I think that's got to be difficult, certainly for the child, but in a weird way, really difficult for the parents because they go, man, you would be so successful in this, yet I cannot live your life for you. So, and not only can you not, but it's not best, no, right for this for this person. So this is a developing human that is deciding what matters to them, and it's not going to be the same things that matter to you. Yeah. And what tends to happen is the the kids that have a stronger a stronger sense of self and a stronger will, well, they get an attitude, 
Yeah. <laughs> because they're sick of being told what to do, right? I want to be me and you're telling me to be you. And so it's a huge conflict. And it, it's not as explicit as that. People don't think of it in these terms very much. Right. But what ends up happening under the surface is that there's a building resentment about you trying to live my life. I choose. Now, they don't know everything. They still need guidance, but you can't you can't make their decisions and you never will. No, you you absolutely cannot. And it's interesting the current moment we find ourselves in. You know, we're reading about helicopter parents and lawnmower parents. You yes. know I did a video on that. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I would expect you know light years more about it than I do, if that's even the right unit of measurement. You, I'm glad you've even heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a as a parent and as someone who actually produces a podcast hosted by a child psychologist, which, which was interesting, I told her I was doing this and she was excited for me to tell her about it. Um, cool. we'll, we'll talk about her off mic. But, you know, I, I, I'm exposed to quite a bit of this. And as my girls are seven and nine, I'm trying to be attuned to be the type of father that my dad was for me. My dad always encouraged me to, to be who I was. I, I remember I was in like fourth grade and I got straight A's one time on a report card. And he took me and got me some treats. But he said to me, he's like, when you did this, you did this for you. Your mother and I are very proud of you, but that you didn't do this for us. Don't nice. do things in your life for us. Don't do them because of us. Do them for you. This is your achievement. You own it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. The thing with the report card is a super good example. The report card is the end result of a lot of efforts. And for some... Mm -hmm you might have really taken some risks and failed at some things. Right. And that might reflect on that report card at the end of the day. So if you focus a lot of energy on that report card being super good, which is fine, it's fine to have good grades, there's nothing wrong with it. But if that's your focus, then where's the valuing in the failure and struggle and learning? Yeah. Right, it's, it's like this result, like if you get straight A's, you win. Really? Nah. Did, did you put yourself out there? Did you really take risks? Did you, did you fall on your face a couple of times? Did you learn anything? Right. That's what I really would like parents to, to focus on more. And I, I love what your dad said, because it's great to get good grades. There's nothing wrong with it. Congratulations, son. Let's get an ice cream cone, but don't do it for me. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of the, he also said to me, this, this was one I always liked. He said, don't let your schooling get in the way of your education. Beautiful. Right. And so like that always encouraged me to live a very well-rounded life and not mm -hmm. focus. I mean, I didn't frequently get straight A's. I mean, I always did well, you know, but I was like a 3.5 where I knew if there was something I wasn't super into, I'm like, I'm not investing a lot of time and resources into uh, into this, which does not ignite my passion. I'm going to spend more time on that, which fulfills me better. I didn't, I, didn't, I couldn't have verbalized any of that at the time. Yeah. But looking back on it, I'm thinking about it and it makes sense. It's actually a... a gifted trait. It's a, it's a common gifted trait. And it, it often gets gifted kids into trouble where they, they say, I'm going to cut bait on this because this is stupid. I, I'm not even interested in this. Right. <laughs> and so they'll be doing an essay, you know, the essay is supposed to be about something that they think this is a stupid topic. Like I, I don't, I don't even understand why somebody would ask me to write this. Right. right. And so they have a hard time bringing themselves to do it. Now you get into the real world and that's great. Do not waste your time. Do not waste your time on anything. If, yeah. it, if, if it makes no sense and you can't put your head together about why you're doing it, don't do it, right? <laughs> the kids know this from little kids, right? Yeah. And there's certain things in life you have to do, but there's a reason. 
right? Like you got to pay bills. Well, that's not fun. Nobody's having a great time with that, but you know why you're doing it. Right. I, you know, what you're describing to me, since, since we're talking psychology, that reminds me of kind of the marshmallow test as well. Uh-huh. Where, you know, it, for anyone who's not listening, essentially the, the gag is um, you put a kid in a room with a marshmallow, you leave them alone for what, like 10 minutes, is it? Mm-hmm. And, Something like that. And, and you say, you know, if you don't eat this marshmallow during that time, I'll give you two marshmallows. So it's essentially yeah. teaching people to delay gratification. And so what we've talked about is there are things that we don't necessarily like about our job or our entrepreneurial, or maybe it's like less glamorous than other parts. I finished up my yearly expenses yesterday, which was no picnic. But by virtue of doing that, it allows you sort of the the space to do that which truly fulfills you. Right. There's a delayed gratification effect there. Yeah. 100%. And and there's there's a sorting of priorities. And you say, is this important to me? Well, yeah, because this is laddering up to something that I really, really care about. Yeah. At the same time, you have to do the same math to kick stuff off your list to say, listen, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I thought it was going to pan out a certain way. I have some sunk costs here. It didn't work. Forget it. Move on. Focus on something that you can nail it. This Right? Yeah, 100%. This is why I hire a professional accountant. I'm not doing my monthly or quarterly taxes myself. Like, Plus, that's way too complicated. That's just a bad use of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, that is low value time for me. So yeah. let me ask you when you, so you transitioned from, you were in software sales and now, yeah. you know, you're the founder of clear child psychology. How was it for you establishing the rhythms of getting this practice up and running? Uh, did, did it come naturally to you? Were there struggles? <laughs> yeah, there were struggles. There's still struggles. There's still tru- struggles sure. for sure. When we started clear child psychology, which is the parent company, we focused a lot more on clinical services. So we did clinical services for a number of years, and that was the primary focus of the company. At the same time, we were building an app. Um, We were building an assessment app for autism at the time. Oh, wow. And so we were doing the app plus clinical services. We slowly learned that the clinical services don't scale very well. There's, There's only two of us. And so we can only help so many people with that. Yeah. Right. You, you, what, what I'm hearing you say is a similar problem that I have in the consulting industry in that you were mm-hmm. essentially paying or having people pay you for your time. Mm-hmm. And time is really the only truly finite resource that we have. You bet. Okay. Interesting. You Keep bet. going. So w- worth much more than money to me as an entrepreneur. Uh, right? Me too. Yeah. If, it, 100%. If you're take my yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it better be worth it. Yeah. Right. So we, we had Clear Child Psychology. We built a, a software app called Cade, which was our first entry into assessments. So we, we validated that assessment and we proved that that assessment was as good as a, uh, a clinical diagnosis, it was 95% consistent with a, with a clinical diagnosis, and it was much faster. Wow. So we psyched about that, and we took it out to the market, and it worked. And then we, we did this, this big regroup to think about how do we scale this. And we pulled in experts from all over the country. We had a, we had a huge summit meeting and talked about what should we do next. And the parents said, we need this for us. That's really cool. These clinicians <laughs> can diagnose really fast, but like, what about me? Like I have the kid. Yeah. I want to know how to help them. I live right? here for God's sakes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I bought this place. Um, so, so they asked for an app for them. So we created an app called Katie, uh, C-A-D-E-Y. 
it came from, so we had Cade and mm -hmm. we had Katie. So Katie is the parent app. And we uh, created both an online assessment version and a mobile app version of that. So between the two, um, we have we have over a million people on our platform. You know, you shared that with me, and you know, you you mentioned that. But actually, before I get there, I <laughs> I want to touch on something that comes up from time to time on this show. People tend to us underestimate the value of their previous work experience, just chronically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for you, having a background in software sales, you're, you're developing this app. So you actually understand that you, you have a head start over someone who doesn't have that background. You bet. I, I think about, I had a job for six really awful hours in high school, or maybe an hour and a half uh, in high school where I was selling painting estimates door to door. And so for me, that made me unafraid of cold calls or of rude people. So I could just show up and be like, you know... Um, I'm not afraid of rejection anymore. And that sort of makes you bulletproof in your case. Oh, yes. Can I speak to that? Yeah, please. Yeah. So the whole rejection and hearing no, right? So the main thing that a CEO is, is a salesperson and a fundraiser. Always. Right. So I, I would love it to be just content. I'll do content all day. And that's fun. And I love content. No problem. That is not my main job right? My main job is raising money and I'm really good at raising money. Why am I really good at raising money? Cause I'm a salesperson. And, <laughs> yeah. and like you, I'm the same way. I'm like, well, okay. So th these people didn't like it. These people hated it. These people said, no, thanks. These people said no. Or the worst one of course is a slow no, right? Uh. You, you want a quick yes or a quick no. <laughs> The quick no is the second best answer I've heard. So, okay, <laughs> Beyond right? a yes, yeah. Right, right. Um, if you can't get yes, get a quick no. But to your point, like you get to a place where it's like, it's like, go ahead, laugh me out of the room. I, there's more behind you. You're, you're not my last meeting today. It's okay. You don't have to like it. I have a lot of tillable earth out here. Yeah, just just right. don't, <laughs> don't string me along, please. This is why I find the Minnesota nice thing so insidious. <laughs> where people just can't say no directly. And it's like, your life would be so much simpler if you could. Um, mm -hmm. You would get there faster. Let's all just get there faster. Let's show each other the respect of telling each other no when we really don't want to do something. Yeah, that's a, a great example of that is the, as I mentioned, we started with clear child psychology. We had clinical services. We're not in that business anymore. But because people think we are, they hit me up all day long for clinical stuff. Sure. And so in, instead of just letting them email me 75 more times, I say, we're not in that business. No, thank you. Yeah. Like, take me off your list. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. People will, people will hit me up for things I no longer do in, in the yeah. PR world. And yeah. I go, that ain't me. Here's someplace else to go. Go hit them up. I'm told they will do a phenomenal job for you if I don't know them personally. Yeah, exactly. Your previous experience informed the pivot to where you are now. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned you had a goal of reaching 1 million and yeah. you've achieved that. How did you achieve that? Yeah, th this is so great and really super dear to my heart. So I have a grandfather who was an entrepreneur and my dad, entrepreneur, and this little five-year-old girl said she was going to be an entrepreneur and lo and behold, I am. So my, my grandfather found out that I was going to get my PhD and he is just such a good man. Like somebody I wish everybody could have met. Sure. So we were sitting down the swing and he looks at me, he knows I'm about to finish my PhD 
And he's like, my granddaughter is getting a PhD in child psychology. Like, think about how many people you can help. And it, it just opened the, the world for me, right? So I, I thought about that and I thought, you're right. I, there's so many people I can help. And that's the whole freaking point, right? <laughs> so then, then we, we fast forward a number of years. So grandpa had a stroke and he's in his final days. And he is, uh, he's, he's laying there and he's in his living room and he looks at me and he, he was not able to talk really well at this point because he had had the stroke. So he gets out these words. How, how many people, how many people have you helped? Huh. Right. And I look at grandpa and I'm like, about a thousand, I think about a thousand grandpa. And he, he gives me this look and he gives the same look to my dad. Right. And the look is that's not enough people. Hmm. And so my dad says, how about a million? And I said, yeah, it's a million. We knew that from day one, when I started the company, million kids, it was a plaster on everything, million on the slide. We did training courses. I put it my million slide with my grandpa saying, you're going to reach a million kids. <laughs> right? wow. And so we did, and we did it this year and we've, we've actually reached 1.4 million families. So that's, that's why I wanted you to see that because it's yeah. the crowning achievement of my life so far. And you know what? <laughs> Spoken like a true entrepreneur so far. <laughs> right. R right. There's, and here's the thing. There's always another mountain to climb. I, and you my friend Jason just uh, texted me recently and he said he's been reading up on the Tao. And one of the things that the Tao says is to find pleasure in the journey and not just using that as a means to a destination because frequently... Okay. The destination can be unsatisfying. You hear that from athletes all the time, right? Oh, it is unsatisfying, right? <laughs> just universally? I, I just, I think it is. So it's, it's so funny. So one of those examples is my PhD. I laughed at that. I scoffed at that. They said, when you finish this, you're going to be a little sad. You're going to miss mm -hmm. it. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to finish this stuff. I'm going to get out of here. You're never going to see me again. Don't worry. I don't want to be a professor. I am good, right? I don't want to republish my dissertation. I don't want to do articles. Adios. And you get to the PhD, you walk across the stage, it's a beautiful day. And then the next day, they're right. Yeah. That wasn't the point, right? The point was the journey, not the getting the PhD. That's just one day. Yeah, I don't know if this is like introvert or sensitivity or what, but... I worked to plan my school's 20th high school reunion and worked mm. really, really hard on that. I had two other people with me, and it was very time intensive. It was, uh, it, it was rewarding. It was fun. It was, you know, like it, it was a very, very involved kind of thing. And right. we put it, it on, real, on it. yeah, really, really well, too. Um, and everyone kept telling me how great it was and stuff. But as I stood there at the party, I was almost outside myself. Yeah. Like I couldn't really enjoy it just because I'm like, I can't believe this is actually happening in front of me. And all of these things, they're going off really well. Like that, that day right. hardly could have gone better, right. but I found myself just very, very bummed and almost having an out of, out of body experience. So to your point, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are so laser focused on like, we got to get here. We got to get here. It's like, man, no, there's beauty in every single step. And Basically, when it's over, you're mourning for a life that you're no longer living. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And for entrepreneurs, I would say this whole thing is even magnified more. I was in a startup totally. group 
right? We even magnified more because this is our baby. And yet there's, it has a beginning and an end. <laughs> we, we don't know exactly where it is, right? But this thing doesn't go on forever. One of the entrepreneurs that is at this Builder Startup Week, he talks about his own mental health journey and how hard it was and how he decided he wouldn't sacrifice his physical health for this journey. And his company ended up doing well, but he decided to pull back quite a bit because he was getting sick and he was like, oh my gosh, this is worth it to me. And then on top of that, you have these people that go into a, great, a huge depression after they sell the thing. They finally get it, right? You get the big <laughs> money, you get the 8X return, you have the people celebrating. And then you're like, wait a minute, I just sold everything that I care about here. Who right? am I now? Yeah. Major, major um, psychological shift that I think needs to happen in focusing on making it a great experience for everybody involved. And yes, you want to maximize the outcome at the end, but that cannot be the main focus. You've got to focus on today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I read a lot about stand-up comics mm -hmm. and even someone who is as rich as Jerry Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. who is now a billionaire and has Seinfeld royalties coming in still to this day from Netflix and wherever else. Um, he is still getting up and telling jokes that don't necessarily land to a bunch of, to a crowd of a bunch of drunks. Right. And so on a certain level, when given the choice that you can do anything, find what you would do. Uh, Kyle Kinane has, has a, a advice about this. He said, look, find what you love to do and be willing to do that for free forever. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what an interesting way of looking at life. But that's very process oriented. That's very in the moment. It's like standups will tell you it's like, I just like getting up there and trying out new material and seeing where it lands. And then there's a journey with jokes or there's a journey with routines or there's a journey with bits. And they get there, that part's over, then they start writing new ones. That's just what they like doing best. But it's all process oriented, not it like is. goal oriented. You, you can have goals and goals are, I think, are healthy. But if you love the process, the rest kind of writes itself. And that's what I hear you describing. You're, you're so right. I, I do it in my, my own evolution. It's been a really big focus on show up today, bring your A game today, do everything you can today and let go of the rest. <laughs> yeah. right? Did I mess up in the past? Of course I did. Mm. Is there going to be challenges in the future? Of course there will be. I can't predict them right now. I'm going to predict the wrong ones. If you ask me what terrible things going to happen to you in the future, I don't know. Something terrible will happen in the future and something wonderful will happen in the future. I don't know what that is, but there's no time spending time on that now. Wasting my time. That's a fool's errand. It is. Uh so sometimes I fear I'm not like ambitious enough. Then I'll I'll recalibrate and I'll think to myself, I'm like, no, what I want to be doing is I, I don't want someone to be dictating how I spend my time to me. As long as I am doing something that I find fulfilling and something that I find stimulating and additive to the world, then I want to keep doing that. Whether that's this company or whether that's something else, I don't really care. I just want to have agency over my decisions. Yeah. So it's interesting you use the word enough there. When you hear the word enough or when you hear, am I a bad X or a good X? The answer to that is that that's not a real thing. That's a judgment. So am I a good parent? I have no idea. <laughs> am I a bad parent? I don't know. But I can, I, I can tell you this. Am I a loving parent? Absolutely right? I can demonstrate that with my actions. I can show you with my actions. I'm a loving parent, but the bad and good thing is just a judgment. Hmm. So is enough. Am I ambitious enough? Well, you're an ambitious guy. 
is it enough? That's a judgment, not a fact. That's, well, God, what an interesting way of putting that, right? Uh, because, right. yeah, you, what are you measuring it against? Your own judgment. That's all that is, right? If, if five people came in and you asked them, am I, am, am I ambitious? Am I an ambitious guy? <laughs> right? They're going to have different answers. And, and it, it doesn't matter. All that matters is what you decide, right? Like, this is how ambitious I want to be. You could decide that and you could decide how you're going to measure that. But beyond that, you, you'll never know, right? If you're ambitious enough. Right. It, yeah. It's a, it's a thought. And right? I, I, I mean, I suppose what, what really matters is what actions you take de decided yeah. upon by yourself. Like, how do I want to spend my time? And then you take actions according to that feeling. And whether that's good or bad or ambitious enough or not is really sort of irrelevant. That's not for you to decide. It's just what next action am I going to take? And that will help write, write whatever story is of my life. Right. And so let's say you're, you're in that moment right now and you're having a conversation and you're like, um, am I good enough at this? Right. Or is this a good enough uh, situation? Mm. Right. That's a wasted thought. <laughs> right. But <laughs> yeah. what you can do is say, Hey, what does this situation demand of me right now? Can I go all in on that? Of course I can. Yeah. And, and how do you value your time? And so for me, like, am I ambitious enough? Could I go and do like Chamber of Commerce breakfast networking events? Yeah, I could, but I really, really don't want to. And so, so like, you've decided it's not a priority for you. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, it, even if you can't, even if you're not good at prioritizing these things in your head, your actions will prioritize them for you. It, it does. And what, what tends to happen is you, you want to keep your eye on what really matters. And once you're really clear on that, then you decide, okay, is this particular priority necessary for that or not? Mm. Right. And so then you stop kind of shaming yourself and shooting yourself about, I, you know, what it should have, could have had a, you know, an ad on that show that I heard, I could have been on that. Okay. Well, it wasn't a priority for you at the time. Yeah. Is, is that fair? Okay. Yeah, it's fair. I decided not to do it. All right. <laughs> So why, why spend any time on that, right? It's like, okay, I, I shuffled in my mind what I thought was the most important at the time. And it, I, I think it's it's necessary to do that. And then at that point you go, okay, well, good on me. I, I did exactly what I decided was important. <laughs> that can be tough to determine because there are any any number of externalities here that can exert pressure upon you, you that, that try and prioritize things for you. But I know you're not in the clinical side anymore, but do you think, is it reasonable to say that people have a hard time truly assessing their priorities or do people have a hard time being honest with themselves? Is that a common theme? Because what we're talking about is you and I, as we have this discussion, or at least as we're presenting ourselves as we have this discussion, seem to have a fairly high level of self-actualization right? <laughs> um, and, and like a high level of self-awareness about the processes that go into this. And entrepreneurship kind of forces you to think in this way in a lot of cases. But for your average person who, who is coming to you asking for help, do people struggle with this? Yes. And, and I think it's, it's really hard for all of us. I would say for an entrepreneur, I, I wouldn't say it's easier. I think it's probably harder to choose what is the most important thing for me to be doing in this moment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that can be tough. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard in terms of you asked, you know, how would you go about that? I listened to this amazing podcast. This, this guy's in recovery and he talks about how 
being in recovery made him a great leader, uh, addiction recovery. Mm -hmm. and, and he talks about you have to do the uncomfortable work. And he says that in recovery, they have these three things. So they surrender the outcome, they do the uncomfortable work, and they practice rigorous authenticity. So this is his, his three pillars. And so when you think about those things, if you're avoiding the uncomfortable work, which is having that discussion with that guy, you know, I, I hired you to do this, but I actually don't need that anymore. Mm. Right. Uncomfortable conversation yeah. needs yeah. to be had. Or, hey, I signed up for this thing and I thought this was going to be a really good fit for me, but I actually don't have the time to dedicate to this. I'm going to focus my energy somewhere else. Of course you have time, but you have time that you're going to allocate somewhere else. Right. And so having those, that uncomfortable, those uncomfortable conversations, doing that uncomfortable work, I think is a big part about prioritizing your time because otherwise you're wasting it on areas that you just kind of shied away from, from, you know, dealing with. Right. This is uh, why I'm not afraid of confrontation because it, yeah. it, it demonstrates a level of respect and care for people where if, if you're obfuscating or you're, you know, you're sort of being a little bit oblique in the way you're addressing people, what do any of us learn from that? right? No one can grow. No one can change. No one can better themselves. It's the way you said it. It's like, I thought this was going to be a priority. It isn't. I owe it to you to tell you that. And that's yep. me just being forthright. Yep. And, and the thing is, it's not about you, right? So I'm having this conversation. I'm, I'm talking in a two-way conversation. If right. you're saying, Hey, Hey Joe, you, you asked me to do this thing and I thought I could do it. And turns out I can't. That's me, right? Mm -hmm. Not Joe. Right. And so Joe, Joe can be offended and Joe can feel criticized that you have decided not to prioritize his project, but it's not about Joe, right? That's you. You've decided, listen, this isn't my, this isn't my gig right now. Joe can spend his whole day being pissed at you and saying that he doesn't think I'm important. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't like my stuff. Well, it's just not a priority for me. That's me. Right. right? And so we get so tricked into thinking it's all about us. And so wrapped up in this whole, like, we're triggered that you thought my thing, you know, right. wasn't, that, wasn't that great or wasn't the priority. And you don't need to do that. That's a great point, too. And Joe, it, it, this, this hypothetical straw man that we've invented, yeah. jo, Joe is a grown-ass adult who can now yeah. find someone who can dedicate their time and energy to, to their thing. Yeah, and, like, get better results than you would get if, if you just, you know, ground your molars into powder while doing this thing that you're not fulfilled by. Like, need that, that transaction is not going to be good now. It's not going to work. No. It's not going to work. So it, and for both of you. And so, yep. I mean, anyway, I want to pivot back to the app here um, and, yep. and talk about. So, first of all, Cade, Katie, how does it work? Where can people find it? You know, what's the next steps for it? Yeah. Awesome questions. So, so Katie is the mobile app and Katie, you can, you can go online to Katie.co. So C-A-D-E-Y.co and read about the app. And if you're ready, you can click to download it there. You can also get it in your Apple app store and your Google play store under Katie. That is a parenting app and it is guiding its guidance by child psychologists on every parenting thing you can think about. So power struggles, my kid won't do their homework, my, my kid won't do their chores, my, my teenager I started acting different, all the things that happen. Too much we screen time, right? Too much screen time or take his phone away and he has a fit, right? So, so all, all these things are in the app. It's a parenting app and really, really high reception for that app. I'm, I'm, 
I'm very jazzed about it. And so that would be what I'd recommend to your, your listeners. Um, what's coming next is we are building this platform into an integrated platform that can be um, used by companies for their employees. The combination of the resources I told you about, which we have over a million people using, um, is going to be integrated together onto one platform that will be accessible by companies to uh, give to their employees. Nice. That's next up. Wow. <laughs> um, that feels like you'll scale up past that, what was it, 1.4 million? Pretty fast at that point. Yeah, right. So the, the goal is is to really proliferate this this model and to make these resources available to families. Wow. So what what we've found over the years as psychologists, and this was this was a key a key moment for me, was the accessibility. It, it's terrible. So you, you've got 17 million families out there that have a kid that has something going on that requires some help. And there are about 100,000 psychologists. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible ratio. So you can see that math doesn't work. We don't even need to crunch those numbers no. to figure out what that's like. Right? I'm not reducing that fraction. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to. You just need to know it's, it's not good. It's right? a lot and not nearly enough. Yeah, there you go. So we knew that that was a problem. And we knew the technology could be a huge factor in changing that. And we've gone the extra mile to create these resources for families and we want to make sure that everybody gets them. That's fantastic. I mean, what a beautiful mission too, especially you, you hear about the mental health crisis in this country, um, mm -hmm. both from places that are very genuine and people who are weaponizing this for political gains. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, the biggest thing is like, we could all use some help. I even think about a, a goofy movie like Crocodile Dundee, where she says, you know, we could probably just all use more mates. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, totally. I remember that. I totally remember that. Yeah, it's and it's true. I mean, we're we're more connected than ever, yet we're all more isolated than ever. It's it's this weird paradox of modern living that yeah. feels unsolvable. And so if you can use technology to help bridge this gap, which you were doing with your goal of helping one million people and now well beyond. Mm -hmm. I mean, hell, that's. That's a mission well worth taking, and you are spending your time beautifully. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do have the, as I mentioned, I, I, I feel I'm one of the luckiest people in the world because I do have the opportunity and the freedom to say, this is the most important thing. That's why we're doing it. Yeah. And if there's something that's that doesn't fit here, we're not doing it. There's a wonderful analogy. There was a, a British rowing team that adopted this, this message for their team which was, will it make the boat go faster? And every single thing that the, that the team was doing had to go through that filter. If you go out drinking the night before, will it make the boat go faster? No, it won't. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> right? Um, if you train more, will it make the boat go faster? Probably, given that you're training in the right way. Um, and so they, they had, that was their, that was their filter. And, and I'm, I'm the same way, right? It's, yeah. it, will, will this scale faster? Will this get to more people? Yes or no? You know, it, uh, it reminds me of when people tell me they want to start a podcast. I say, they, they always think we're going to talk about like recording equipment and software and whatever. Right. And I go, look, the big, the biggest question you need to ask yourself when you are creating anything especially something public facing like this, if you want to show that people will actually listen to answer this question, what do you want someone to think, do or feel after having listened to your show? Nice. And if you can get to that, if you can, if you can go, here's what I want someone to think, do or feel all the other answer or all the other questions that you have will have the answers revealed to you. 
Yeah, you're right. It's a filter, right? It's a filter for the value of the content. Mm -hmm. it, is it meeting the demand of, of what your your goal is for the show? Yeah. What What are you trying to achieve here? Mm -hmm. And so what do you want your audience to think, do, or feel? Once you know that, then you'll know the length, you'll know the tone, you'll know the aesthetic choices, you'll know those things. They will all be informed by the answer to that question. So your analogy, will it make the boat go faster? Seriously, get yourself to one question. Everything else kind of falls away and will be informed by the answer to that. That's true with your app. That's true with a show that you're creating. Hell, that's true in life. It, it really is. It's actually reminds me of a lean, uh, lean principle. So lean software development, definitely something that we do. Their uh, theory is, or their way that they speak about this is that if you create something in, in your app, some kind of feature that the customer doesn't value, the equal sign is waste. <laughs> Not okay. Bad. Right. And so same kind of thing, right? You're thinking about the user value and every feature has to go through that lens. It might matter to me, but doesn't matter to the user. Yeah. And if it doesn't, you don't you don't get to put it in. You know, I recently interviewed a guy who used to work for Frito Lay, and he went to you know consumer facing focus groups, and they would just you know it's a lot of moms getting questions about multi multi packs of chips, right? Mm -hmm. And and they're talking about their experience, and he said that determines so much of what we do. That determines everything from product design to product mix in those. And then that filters down to supply chain, to packaging, to everything else. But it all starts with the user experience. Here's how they're interacting with our product. Here's what we need to do to get them to have maximum enjoyment out of our multi-chip Frito-Lay packs. And I go, it's so funny. You take something like that for granted. But a lot of thought and a lot of money ends up going into that. Went into that. You bet. So. And they're doing the same thing. They're, they're saying, okay, how do we maximize the fulfillment people got out of that pack of chips the, the utility right yep. so <laughs> perfect all right well you gave us the links to Cade and katie is there anything else you'd like to plug dr willard i want to let the the world know that if you're having challenges with your own child you are not alone yeah there are tried and true things that parents can do that can help things get better and if you need help I suggest that you come check out the app and there's places where you can give feedback. If you have questions, if you have things that you feel like we didn't answer things that we can do better, we're happy to hear about it, but just please know that you are not alone. Amazing and beautiful. So with that in mind, I'd also like to point people to, I'll have links to Cade and Katie in the show notes and on the companion blog piece. That's on John of all trades.us, the show notes, mm -hmm. iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio. I haven't done this in a while. I can't remember all of them. Audible. Wherever you get your pods, you'll find it there. It'll be down there in the show notes. Dr. Marcy Willard, this was an enormous pleasure. You are just an absolute ray of sunshine. I think you're doing phenomenal work. Thank you for sharing what you do, and I wish you nothing but continued success. Thank you. It was great being on the show. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for episode 358 of the John of All Trades podcast with Dr. Marcy Willard, founder of Clear Child Psychology, creator of the apps Cade and Katie, and man, what a great chat. What a way to come back. Be sure to support her. Check all that out. I gave you the links to the show notes. That's on Podcatchers everywhere. On the socials, it's J-O-A-T Pod. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. Also threads and blue sky. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. As we sit here in February, I am sitting on the precipice of doing some really cool things. 
Yes, I mentioned to you the 10-year anniversary of John of All Trades. It's nine years for Deft Communications, and I am thriving. I am doing work that matters. I am working with people I adore. If you like my energy, basically, if you like my particular brand of horse shit, and you think we would work well together, whether it's a podcast or on some kind of public outreach campaign, hit me up. The email is john, J-O-N, at deftcom.us, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Let's get together. Let's chat. I want to learn more about you. Got an idea for a guest? Hit me up. Got a campaign you're working on? Great. An idea for a podcast? Let's do it. Because if we're not out here helping each other, then what is the point? Why are any of us here? I adore you. I cannot wait to bring you more content. I'll be back here next week. Episode previews are on Mondays or Tuesdays. Facebook only. New episodes drop on Wednesday. So with that said, I'll see you next Wednesday. And until then, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.